can't really know your own energy if you, if you're not connected to yourself. And so having time where I was meditating and journaling and getting to know me, Alyssa, as a person was really huge because it made it easier for me to tap back into myself and recognize when I had kind of lost myself to the people around me. Welcome to the Sensitive and Soulful Show. If you're the type of person who's often heard that you're too sensitive, you're too emotional, you're just too much, this is your place. Hi, my name is Alyssa Boyer and I'm a mentor for highly sensitive people. My mission in life is to help other highly sensitive souls learn how to embrace their sensitivity as a gift. Each week, I will share tools, tips, and stories for you to learn how to lean into your sensitivity and learn how to work with it instead of fighting against it. I believe the world is a better place when more sensitive, deep-feeling people feel comfortable and confident in their skin, and I can't wait to show you how. So, get comfy, and let's dive in. Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Sensitive and Soulful Show. Today I'm bringing you a conversation that I had with my dear friend Patrick Murphy. This conversation is actually an interview I had done for Patrick's podcast, but he ended up going in a different direction and so this episode didn't air and we realized the other day, I'm like, oh my gosh, like we should definitely make use of that episode. So this was recorded back in, I think it was August or September of 2022. And we cover such a wide variety of topics. I loved this conversation. We talk a lot about how HSPs often gaslight ourselves. We talk about emotion regulation. We talk about boundaries. We talk about how we can grow through discomfort and how to know when it's time to stop being stuck in your loop of always being focused on healing and self-help and when it's time to just live your life. Patrick and I cover so many topics in this conversation and so I knew that I had to share it with you all. Now before we get into the episode, I just have to remind you that enrollment is open to the Sensitive and Soulful Vault, which is my signature program for HSPs. So this is really a community space with four live workshops throughout the year. The first one is happening on March 27th, so super soon. And it's an entire library of mini courses on a variety of topics for HSPs. So there's 24 mini courses on topics like people pleasing, setting energetic boundaries, having healthy relationships as a sensitive person. There's also an entire nervous system regulation library, a meditation library, as well as an entire library of guest expert trainings on a variety of different topics like nervous system regulation, having healthy relationships. We dive into attachment styles and why a lot of highly sensitive people have the tendency to attract narcissistic people. We have experts coming in to talk about the chakra system, about Reiki healing, about inner child work. Like we cover so much inside of the vault. So it's an amazing resource. And what it inspired me to create this was my own journey. Uh, when I learned I was a highly sensitive person, it literally changed my life. I felt like I was seen and understood for the first time ever. And then I was like, okay, 
what's next? (laughs) And I dove into so much personal healing work and I learned so much along the way. When I first learned I was an HSP, I really struggled with second guessing myself. I often just deferred to others. I thought everyone else knew better than me. And so this honestly made me feel very insecure. I felt like I couldn't rely on myself. I felt like I always had to kind of look to everyone else for the answers. I also had a really hard time with boundaries. I was a total people pleaser. I let people walk all over me and then I felt resentful and I felt like, oh, no one cares about me. No one cares about my needs. Like, why am I always doing everything for everyone else? But truthfully, I did not have healthy boundaries. I didn't know how to speak up for myself. I was terrified of speaking my mind. Like all of this really was paralyzing for me. And so everything that I've created inside of the sensitive and soulful vault is how I've gotten to the place of being able to speak up for myself, feel confident and empowered and bold in who I am and happy to be a highly sensitive person. The vault is really your space to tune in, to tap into different trainings, to connect with fellow HSPs, and to have all of the tools that you need to feel really freaking good as a highly sensitive person. I know that my style is not going to be for every single person, but for the HSPs out there who don't want to just sit at home and don't want to hide out from the world, for for the HSPs who want to go out and do cool things in their life and travel and have a family and go after your big dreams and not feel totally overwhelmed. Like you are my person and the vault is your place. So you can find out more by going to sensitiveandsoulful.com forward slash the vault, or you can check out more info in the show notes. So I'm excited and I know it's going to be amazing and I cannot wait to see many of you in there. And with that, let's get into today's episode. Alyssa, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks, Patrick, for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited for this conversation. It's going to be awesome. So I wanted to start, you've been writing for a long time. And in January of 2019, you wrote, and I quote, sensitivity has been the cause of the most joy and the most pain in my life. And I was wondering if you would tell us more about that. Yes, I love that. Yeah, I, I start, so I started my blog in January of 2019, like you said, and it's funny that that was like the first blog post I ever wrote because I never set out being like, oh, I'm going to talk about sensitivity. I just remember wanting to like sharing has always been very therapeutic and cathartic for me. And so I remember writing that, that article and it just felt like such a release. And I honestly didn't really I didn't know if people would actually resonate with it. And it was amazing how, how much people did and how many people like very unexpected people that I went to high school with that I hardly knew would send me messages like, oh my gosh, I relate completely to that feeling. And so that was just like sharing that was vulnerable for me, but then it was like, it was just so eye opening that others did feel that way. And so, yeah, I mean, that, that statement is true. It's my sensitivity was always the thing that I felt like caused problems for me. I always felt like it made my life harder because I was more emotional. I would get my feelings hurt more easily. I was more sensitive about like sleep and the environment I was in. And I just always felt like being so particular and being so sensitive just made things more of a challenge. But on the flip side, it also is the thing that makes me so passionate that I think makes me very creative and allows me to connect really deeply with people. Like I'm always that person who 
someone will just meet me and they like open up about their whole life story. And I'm like, that's because they can sense that I'm sensitive and empathetic. And so it's, it's been a double-edged sword, you know, in a way, because I, it was always the thing that was like the hardest, but also the best. And I now know years later that so many highly sensitive people have had that same experience too. So what was that process like of kind of realizing that it was both, you know, a superpower as well as something that you struggled with and kind of moving between those two realities? So for the longest time, honestly, until my early twenties, I guess, I I only saw it as a thing that was a burden and I thought it was bad. And I really didn't think other people understood or were really like me. I always felt very alone in it. And so, yeah, it wasn't until I discovered the book, The Highly Sensitive Person by Dr. Elaine Aaron that I, I realized like, wait a second. Oh, there's like a different way I can view this. Like, oh, maybe this is a thing that other people experience. And maybe there's, maybe it's not a bad thing. It was just, it never occurred to me up until that point that it could actually be a superpower. I just thought it was something that made me weaker. It made me more difficult. It made my relationships more challenging. Like all of these things, it just just never occurred to me. And when I discovered the term highly sensitive person and read that book, it was like unbelievable. I was like, oh, wait, so this is like a way that like I was created this way and it's actually not a mistake. It's actually for a reason. And other people feel this way and there are actually a ton of benefits to it. It just opened my eyes and, and really just opened a whole new world to me and kind of welcomed in self-acceptance for the first time. I just always denied that part of myself up until that point. Yeah, definitely. I can, I can absolutely relate to that. So let's just go ahead. Can you just define highly sensitive person for us? Cause I think for a lot of people listening, they might just mm-hmm. think, oh, well, she cries really easily or, oh, well, she's really emotional or, you know, umpteen different things that I know you and I have gone through as, as highly sensitive people and these judgments we place on ourselves. So, but it's an actual thing. It's an actual term. And so if you wouldn't mind, yeah, just define it for us. Yeah. So high, a highly sensitive person is a person who it's a trait and it's a person who has sensory processing sensitivity. So we're literally just more sensitive to the world around us. So yes, we typically will be more emotional and cry more easily, but that's not the only part of it. We also process the world deeply around us. Like we are just noticing more details that other people might not notice. We are highly empathetic. We actually have more active mirror neurons in our brain, which is responsible for empathy. So we can very easily tap into how other people are feeling. We tend to be more sensitive to our environments. So it's different for every person, but for some people, like the lighting might drive you crazy or certain smells or loud noises. We tend to need more sleep. Some of us need a more specific diet. So it's really just being more sensitive to the world around us. And this is a trait that was uh, defined in the early 1990s by Dr. Elaine Aaron, who wrote that book that I mentioned. And a lot of people will will say like, oh, I'm diagnosed as a highly sensitive person, but it's not a diagnosis. It's literally a trait. It's like somebody could be an extrovert or an introvert. You could be a highly sensitive person or not. It exists on a scale. So yeah, that's kind of a quick overview of it. And it's a decent segment of the population that that shares this, you know, and there's a lot of people out there 
walking around as HSPs, but not really knowing. I mean, they're they're placing the same judgments on themselves. I mean, I know I did, you know, especially growing up, you know, as a male in sports and all of this stuff. I mean, I'd be sitting there with my guy friends, like watching some, you know, watching some movie and I'm trying to hold back the tears that are coming forth because I'm like, oh, well, like you don't want to, you know, you don't want to seem weak. You don't want to cry in front of, you know, other people. You don't want to seem emotional. And I know women have their own, let's say version of that, right? Because, you know, being too emotional is a, is a whole different thing for women, you know? And I'm just curious, like, what are some of the other kind of judgments or, or things that maybe from the outside that you received, you know, before you really kind of owned and honed this gift? So the one that comes to mind right away is like dramatic, like you're being dramatic, you're making this such a big deal. This is something I heard all the time and so many other HSPs here. And so because we might be, again, particular about a certain environment, like when I was a kid, I was super picky about my clothes and I would only wear certain things because the fabric bothered me. And for someone who doesn't understand that, you might really think like, geez, you're being a drama queen. Like, why are you being so difficult? And so that was a, a belief that I internalized and I still work through, to be honest, when I have times where my needs are different than those around me, I might second guess myself and be like, oh, Alyssa, are you being dramatic? Like, maybe you should just be more easygoing about it. So that was a big one. Another one is just like, you're too emotional and you, your reactions are too big. And back in the day, I had no idea how to regulate my emotions in a healthy way. So I would have times where it was explosive and I did not know how to have a healthy relationship. And so my emotions were big and, and I wasn't with the best people. And so it, it kind of creates a perfect storm of like, you're too emotional. And then I'm internalizing it and trying to numb myself out to it. Uh, and the last one that comes to mind just really showed up like later when I got into the corporate workplace because people around me were just like grinding and working really hard. And I'm a hard worker as well. And I will push myself, but I was burning out and getting sick and the people around me weren't. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? Like I'm weak. Like, why can't I work the same way as they can? What's wrong with me? So it's a lot of just second guessing ourselves and, and comparing ourselves to the non-HSPs around us as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and a theme that I'm kind of pulling from that right now is just gaslighting. And I know you've mm -hmm. talked about that extensively on yeah. your Instagram feed and in your HSP membership. And yeah, if you could just talk more about one, how we as HSPs gaslight ourselves very often, but how we're also gaslit by society and those around us. Totally. Growing up, if we're hearing like, oh, you're being so dramatic or you're being so emotional, then we're really internalizing like, oh, what I, what I need or what I feel is wrong and it's too much and I cannot trust myself. And so I find it starts there. And then as adults, we gaslight ourselves and we're like, we tell ourselves we can't trust our feelings. We second guess it. We second guess everything we are, we want to say. We, I remember saying to my mom, like, I don't even know if the way I feel is real. Like, I, I don't know if my reality is real. And I would literally have to like, ask her, is this, is this valid? Because I didn't trust myself. I think it starts, you know, in childhood and things like that, where it's just, that's what you hear. That's what you internalize. And, and I think it's why a lot of highly sensitive people struggle to know themselves, struggle with people pleasing, struggle with all sorts of things because we gaslight ourselves a lot because of that. 
Yeah, definitely. And, and it starts really early. I mean, really, it starts at, at birth, but through therapy, I've really identified a lot of moments in early, early childhood where I have realized, oh, you're just hyper, hyper attuned to the world around you and your parents' emotions and their dysregulation or, you know, lack of ability to kind of regulate their own emotions sometimes and whatnot. But as a, as a little human, as a tiny human, you don't know how to regulate, you certainly don't know how to regulate your own emotions then. And so then it comes even more explosive. And, you know, I know, I know you were kind of talking about maybe a little bit later in life where it would feel explosive, but I'm just like thinking about little Alyssa. I'm thinking about little Patrick and what we went through, just not knowing that we were just so much more hyper attuned to the world around us in, in that way. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I definitely remember as a being a little girl and just being so, there was just so much, it would just, it was explosive then too. I felt a lot. My mom was always like, you had such big feelings <laughs> like, yep. It's always there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and I'm, so I'm curious, when did you begin to learn emotional regulation? When did you begin to learn? Cause the thing is, is like, we can still, we still experience these big, big emotions, mm-hmm. right? Like that's not, that's never going to go away. No. We feel so deeply, we feel so strongly, but we can manage it better now because yes. we know we have the tools right? and we have yeah. these, these management uh, techniques and all sorts of other things that we can pull in. I mean, it's what you do in your HSP membership for sure. And so I'm curious when, when did that start to shift? You mentioned the book. And when Mm -hmm. did you actually start to learn the tools? Yeah. So around the time that I had discovered the book, I was also beginning to work with a holistic doctor because I had been experiencing really bad digestive issues. And this was a result of like working so hard, burning myself out, being chronically stressed, all of the things. And so this holistic doctor that I worked with really worked with the subconscious and we did a lot of like emotional healing and things like that together. And so working with him was literally my introduction to like the subconscious mind and the things that we hold on to. And it was, it got me into personal development and healing work. I just had never been into that before that. And so in working with him, I began to realize like, I don't have to be a victim of the world. Like I actually do have autonomy over things. Like I can learn to respond in a different way. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, that was probably I don't even know now, maybe seven or eight years ago. And it's just been a journey ever since, but I've done a lot of the emotion regulation work, honestly, in like relationships. I think that gives us great opportunities because when you're close with people, they're going to trigger you. And so it's a great opportunity to be like, okay, how can I express myself in a healthy way? How can I get my point across? How can I not let this, you know, trigger all of these past traumas, whatever. So it's been an ongoing process, but I was really like enlightened to it when working with that doctor. It just had not occurred to me that like in the past it was like, oh, they did this to me. So I feel this way. And so they're a bad person and I must suffer and realizing like, no, I can actually choose and I can regulate myself. And that was pretty major to realize. Yeah, definitely a life-changing moment for you, for sure. But also, I mean, especially as HSPs, I mean, our bodies are sensitive. Our bodies are sensitive to the, not just the energies we pull in and the people around us, but just what we physically put on our bodies and whatnot. And I know that's been a huge part of your journey. So as you were 
speaking there, one of the things that I was really present to is, especially in relationship, especially with other people as HSPs, as empaths, sometimes what we're picking up isn't even ours. We're actually picking up on their emotions. And I know this is something that you've experienced a lot before, and I'd love to hear you talk about it. Definitely. This is a huge thing. This is like one of the top things I hear from the HSPs that I work with. Also, it's like, how do I know what's mine and what's other people's? And for me personally, a lot of times it would, I would have um, an over, be overly responsible for other people's experience. I realize now I was overly responsible. So for instance, like my husband would come home and he might've had a tough day and he might've been kind of like short with me or something like that. And I was like, oh my gosh, I would take it personally. I would feel sick to my stomach. Oh my God, I need to make him happy. And it would literally impact my mood and I couldn't feel happy until he was happy. And I just thought that was like normal. And you know, that I think probably most empaths could understand that. And it took me a while to realize like, no, he's a separate person and he's allowed to have days where he feels kind of crappy. And I actually do not have to absorb that. And so a lot of it for me has been doing work to kind of understand that I am like my own separate person. Physically, sometimes that means sitting on the couch next to him or next to whoever, you know, I might be sensing their energy and just remembering and reconnecting to myself and grounding in my own body and, and really knowing like that is them, this is me and having conscious awareness around it. Um, The other thing that's been very helpful is just me knowing myself better. I think a lot of times we, as highly sensitive, empathic people, we will lose ourselves to the world around us. Like we just want to help people. We feel everything. And so we almost lose our sense of self. And so I kind of think like, you can't really know your own energy if you, if you're not connected to yourself. And so having time where I was meditating and journaling and getting to know me, Alyssa, as a person was really huge because it made it easier for me to tap back into myself and recognize when I had kind of lost myself to the people around me. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. I know in my personal journey, like getting to, getting to know myself has been just a huge game changer. I'm curious in those moments where you are getting to know yourself, like if we can just peel back some of those layers of discerning between what is somebody else's and what is yours and what's your inner voice and what is, you know, maybe your loud ego voice that's screaming at you or what's the voice of, you know, somebody else's energy that is affecting you in the space. What was that like? Yeah. I mean, I can say I'm as, as new life experiences happen, as we move through life, I think we always have continuous opportunity to keep peeling back the layers and keep getting to know ourselves. So that's a very alive for me now as a new mom. And a big part of it is, yeah, learning how to listen to and trust my inner voice and not taking in what everyone else says and not going along with what everyone else says. And so it's a, it's a hard, it's a hard journey to, to be honest, something that's helpful for me is sometimes just like taking time and not reacting right away. So maybe if I'm trying to make a decision or something like that, taking time before saying yes to something or going along with a certain methodology or whatever that looks like, like just taking a beat, because I know personally, I'm an emotional person. And so if I make decisions quickly and emotionally, sometimes I later regret that. And so learning to just like not rush into things has been very important, giving myself time to kind of like 
feel into it and, and, uh, check in and see what feels true for me. And also like what I'm finding now is like, just knowing there's not a wrong answer and kind of just knowing that just, we can try different things and, and kind of roll with it and see what happens. And it's all part of the learning process. So yeah, I mean, it's just self-trust is like a tricky thing and it's, we can get very comfortable in aspects of our life, but then if we're thrown into something new, we have to relearn it in a different way and it's uncomfortable. Ooh, yeah. I love what you just said about, you know, we can learn something one way, but then we have to relearn it in different ways over mm-hmm. and over again. And I have found myself in the last few years getting so incredibly frustrated at myself thinking, what the heck you've got all these tools. You, you should know how to do this. You should be able to navigate this situation, et cetera, et cetera. And you know, the fact is it's all working. I mean, if you didn't have that baseline of tools, then you'd be much more down a rabbit hole spiraling down in a whirlwind of emotion or trigger or whatever it might be, but we're able to stay more at baseline now purely because we have those, because that keeps us propped up and more prepared to just essentially take on more. I say that carefully because you and I both know HSPs tend to take on a lot, whether Mm -hmm. we know it or not. And, and so I'm not encouraging anybody out there to just say like, all right, cool. I can handle more, but it's, it's really, it's bigger challenges, you know, here and there. It's more yes. responsibility sometimes. And it's a, it's a depth yes. that we're able to get to over time because we have this baseline of tools mm-hmm. and I'm going to switch gears, you know, a little bit here. So as you were speaking, one of the things that I was really present to was you had mentioned, you know, waiting to decide to say yes to something yes. and as HSPs, we tend to be people pleasers because we want people to like us and we want everybody to be happy. And that's definitely a core wound sometimes and, you know, something we have to overcome. And so I'm, I'm curious, you know, what would you advise people who do have this incredible trait to do, to not take on as much and to really make sure that the things they say yes to are in alignment with their highest Mm -hmm. good. So I think that there is such a, an expectation of like urgency and immediate, you know, immediate responses in our culture. And it's, I've gotten wrapped up in it and it's something I work on all the time is like just checking the urgency I feel in my body when I get a request from somebody, oh my gosh, I need to respond right away. Oh my gosh, I need to be there for them right away. And so to me, like some advice I would share is like, feel into that, that urgent feeling you might be experiencing when so-and-so asks you to help them move or whatever, like just recognizing that's there before immediately jumping into, yes, I'll do that. And waiting, if you're always responding right away, it's going to be uncomfortable. And one of my favorite things I always tell the people I work with is like, learn how to sit with the discomfort. Like, yeah, it's going to be uncomfortable because you're used to like always being there right away and, and doing something different. It's going to feel a little scary and different. And oh my gosh, are they going to be mad at me? And I just encourage you to just sit with that and just be with it and try the radical act of taking some time for me personally. Like I always thought, oh, like 
responding immediately or jumping into action is makes me a nice person and people see how nice that I am. But then I've been friends with people or worked with people where they took their time. Maybe they took a day or two to respond or they were thoughtful. They had clear boundaries that felt loving. And to me, that actually felt more calming to me. I could just sense their, their confidence. And so that inspired me to kind of want to be that type of person too. And so I think we automatically assume like, oh, if I take my time, if I wait, then I'm, I'm being mean, but actually like, what if it's, you're responding from a calmer, a calmer, more grounded space? Like that's, that's more loving anyway. So that's been a shift I've been working on. Yeah. And what I'm really hearing you say is put yourself first, yes. check in with yourself first, mm -hmm. because you matter and your energy matters and your time matters and your needs matter. Yes. And we tend, especially as HSPs, we tend to spread ourselves so thin and, you know, 15 people getting 10 to 20% of us doesn't work for anyone. No. And, and as much as we think that we're doing the quote unquote right thing and serving people by saying yes to everything and running around like chickens with our heads cut off and trying to people please and whatnot, it's, it actually isn't serving anybody because we are stretched too thin. We can't show up fully and we can't actually give what we know that we're able to give. And I know you've seen people in your membership go through this process and, and I'm just kind of curious what, what it was like, you know, for you, or if maybe you have any examples of, of people, of stories from your membership that, you know, of people that have gone through this. Definitely. I can speak personally. It's like the resentment piece is often what comes up for me and for a lot of the people I work with as well. I always think that's such a key, I don't know. It's just such an obvious sign that you're overgiving when you're feeling resentful and you're like, well, I got to respond to this person or, Oh, I got to be there for my in-laws or whatever. Like if you're kind of having that, that icky feeling, like there's a clear sign that you are definitely over giving and overextending yourself. Like let that be a clue that there is something that you can cut out or set boundaries around, I guess I should say. So that's a huge thing I see for people in my membership is that resentment piece and that feeling too. It's, it is a bit of a martyrdom thing I would say, where it's like, I, I have to do everything. I have to do everything. If it, if I don't do it, no one else will do it. And I believe that we teach people how to treat us. And so, yeah, if we are always doing everything for everyone else and we're responding right away and we're always available, then yeah, people are going to expect that because that's what we've shown them we will do. And I've been guilty of that. And, and it's something, I mean, you know, Patrick, like this is something I've had to work on with my social media. I've had to like set boundaries around my DMS because I was getting all of these like lengthy personal questions from people and I was responding to them. And then, and then I was feeling drained and resentful. Oh my gosh, everyone wants a piece of me. And it's like, well, come back to like, you're resentful. Like, what can you change? Well, you obviously cannot overextend yourself and respond to every single person who reaches out to you. And so it's about taking personal responsibility and, and seeing where we have ownership of our experience. And we have a lot more ownership available to us, then we often realize we just get stuck in that loop of thinking we have to overgive and have to people please. And, and we just don't. Yeah. Wow. I feel like we could just end it right there. That was amazing. <laughs> that was <laughs> such an incredible piece of advice and an incredible share that you just offered everybody. So thank you for that. 
you've mentioned the word boundaries a few times. I know this word gets kind of thrown around. What does it mean to you? And what does it mean to HSPs? To me, boundaries are a way we protect the things that are important to us. We, we create space for the things that matter to us. If we don't have boundaries, then we're just kind of like floating around, like doing a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And we don't have time for ourselves. We don't have time for the things that truly matter to us. So for me, what that looks like is like, if I spent my entire, like all of my days just responding to every DM on Instagram, for instance, then I wouldn't have time to record podcast episodes. I wouldn't have time to think of new programs for highly sensitive people. And these are things that are, that matter to me that I, that I really care about or like spending time with my family, you know, that's like very important. So boundaries, I think are just a way that we, yeah, create space for what matters to us. And I also think they're a way that we can show people what we, what we will um, accept for, you know, behavior and things like that. Like, again, if we show people that they can just walk all over us, we're always going to say, yes, we're always available, then that will continue. And so sometimes highly sensitive people think that like setting boundaries makes them like a mean person or it's like this whole like harsh rigid thing and I actually really don't think it is at all it's it's like this is how you can show me love this is how you can respect me this is and it's and it's actually I think kinder to be more communicative about that rather than kind of just expecting people to know and then you're stewing and resentful so it's a loving act I would say Yeah, absolutely. What just popped into my mind, I know Brene Brown's talked about this, but I'm pretty sure maybe it was a study that she did, or or at least she's referenced this before of, she was trying to look at the most compassionate people in the world. And she's looking at people like the Dalai Lama, you know, the Pope, you know, all of these people that we see as, you know, enlightened or, Uh, very Zen and, you know, they've got all this wisdom and whatnot. And the number one trait that they all shared was that they've got incredibly strong boundaries. Mm. Mm -hmm. And that hit me like a ton of bricks. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Here are these people that we see as, you know, at least some, you know, some of us perceive as the most loving and the most compassionate and the most generous humans on the face of the planet. We put them on these pedestals and the number one trait they all shared is they have strong boundaries. I love that. Yeah. And it's, and it's like when you're in the presence of somebody who has strong boundaries, you just respect that you respect them. You just can feel it. They don't even have to like be like, these are my boundaries. It's just like this energy. It's a confidence that they have. And it's, it, I think it positively benefits the people around them too. And it's a great example. So I love that. That's really interesting. Yeah. It, it was, it, like I said, it hit me like a ton of bricks when I first heard it. I'm curious to hear you talk a little bit about why setting boundaries can be so hard, especially at first, when you first start doing it. I'd say, I mean, it's that whole, there's the whole lack of self-trust thing. Like, Oh, you know, it's, like, is this bad of me to do? Because I, you know, it feels uncomfortable. And so we might not trust like, oh, do I really need this time to myself? Or should I, shouldn't I just be there for them? Shouldn't I just help them? A lot of times we just equate overgiving to being a good person. Like that is like the correlation, like, and it also becomes a part of a lot of our identities. A lot of highly sensitive people can be the caretakers, can be the 
the person who's always there for everyone, who's always shows up, who's always the, the listening ear. And so huge part of it is like, well, who am I if I don't do that? And if, and again, viewing bound, they might view boundaries as like this harsh thing, this, this bad thing. And so they're feeling like, well, if I do that, I'm, I'm not a kind, loving person. I'm not, I don't know who I am without it. So I think it's just a lot of a misconception around around what boundaries are and just feeling uncomfortable. And again, it's like doing something new. It's it's that discomfort. And we often will just equate discomfort as wrong, bad. I need to go back to my comfort zone, even though it sucks because I'm resentful. So it's a very, it's a vicious cycle and it can be hard to get out of until we understand that the discomfort is going to be part of it, but you can learn to withstand it and, and get more, more and more comfortable with it over time. Yeah, definitely. And, and it absolutely can be uncomfortable, especially when you kind of start waking up to this trait mm -hmm. and the beauty of it and the strength of it. But that requires a, a transition period. I'm curious for you, what are some of the tools and things that have helped you sit more in discomfort and become more resilient in discomfort such that you can really discover those deeper layers of what's behind it. Yeah. I mean, just having the awareness that this, that the discomfort is there and not, not overly identifying with it, if that makes sense. So like, I'll feel the discomfort, maybe it's like tightness in my chest or my stomach will hurt. And instead of just immediately jumping into like, oh my gosh, this sucks. I, this is bad. I, I can kind of instead witness, oh, this discomfort is there. I'm doing something new. And that's why I have this feeling. And that, that awareness came to me, honestly, probably from doing, from meditating for the past several years. It's kind of just like, it helps you to separate from, from your thoughts and kind of, and kind of observe more. So that's really been huge. Also just having practices like deep breathing, you know, when, when there is that discomfort there, just like, you know, breathing into my stomach and trying to calm my system. I'm also a big fan of EFT tapping, like, wait, you know, just having tools where I can release the discomfort is, is really helpful. And, and honestly, I'm a very, I'm a communicator. So I like to talk things through with people or journal about it. So just like having different different uh, modalities to go to based on the the circumstance is helpful for me. I just kind of try different things and see what helps. Yeah. Tell us more about EFT tapping. Yeah. So EFT tapping, it's emotional freedom technique, and it's where you're really like tapping on different acupressure points on the body. And it, it's a really great tool to help you release stuck emotions, regulate yourself, calm your nervous system. It's just like one of those things that anybody can do and you can turn to it at any time. And it, I remember the first time I did it, I felt an immediate release where I was like, oh, wow, like I feel lighter. So that's something I teach all of the HSPs in my membership community. It's just like an, a tool you can go to and, and call upon. And there's even like acupressure points you can squeeze. Like there's one on your hand called the gamut point that I always like will squeeze if I'm like stressed out. And it's just a, it's just a nice tool that, that works for me for, for calming my system. Yeah. I love that. And the thing that I'm hearing you say is that you're not running from the discomfort. You're not trying to get away from it. You're actually settling into it because it has something to tell us. Yes. And especially 
as highly sensitive people, you know, we're hyper attuned to all these things and yeah, we don't need to chase every rabbit because they're not all ours to chase. I'm, I'm curious, what have you learned while sitting in your discomfort? You know, what are some of the big aha moments that you've had? So much I've, I, and in a nerdy way, I'm almost like, oh, like not, I get excited. Sometimes I'm like, oh, there's something here. Like, let's kind of see what this is leading to. So for me, I mean, some big things I've discovered is just how deeply that the desire I've had to impress people, to please people, to show that I'm valuable and worthy. I just noticed that coming up a lot where I'll say yes to things or I won't speak my needs. And then I'm sitting there stewing and uncomfortable. And I've learned that, oh, Alyssa, you're just really wanting to be liked here. You're really thinking that you have to overextend yourself in order for people to like you. And you're scared of what could happen if you, if you didn't do that thing. And you're scared of people thinking that you're not a nice person. And it, I can connect it to, you know, things from childhood and comparisons that I made as a kid and, and all sorts of things. So I've just connected the dots so much and it's given me a ton of self-awareness and helps me then to not over-identify with when I do feel that way. I can, you know, I can feel it, I can be with it. And then I can understand like, oh, this is that old thing. It's not actually, it's not actually true. And I can, I can survive this. I can come to the other side of it and I will be okay. And every time you do that, you build more self-confidence and you really show yourself you have your own back. And I'm, I'm obsessed with that feeling. And it's just like, that's how you build resilience and how you build that kind of that baseline. I think that we were talking about where you can know you can have new things thrown at you and you're going to be fine because you've, you can get yourself through these micro moments in your, in your life and grow from them each time. Yeah, absolutely. And as you were speaking, I was just thinking it's all just data. It's all just data points. And there's, Mm -hmm. there's, as we all, anybody, anybody that's ever worked with data, we know there's good data and there's bad data, you know, and and it's like, you're only as good as the data that you put into the system. And this process that you're describing just allows you to sit there and discern, okay, this is, this is the data I need to worry about. This is the data that doesn't matter. This isn't mine. It's an old story. I feel it. It's trying to come back you know, whatever it might be, or it's, you know, it's my husband's or wife's Mm -hmm. stuff Mm -hmm. that, you know, that's theirs to, to deal with. Yes. We can hold space. Yes. We can show up. Yes. We can be a partner, but ultimately certain things just aren't ours. And, and it's just this great little sifting process that you just described so beautifully. Yes. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. There's just so much gold in it. And I think when you start to shift your perspective to seeing things in that way, it's just opens your eyes and makes life honestly just more interesting and and more enjoyable because I think when we're stuck in like, Oh, this is happening to me. This sucks. This is the worst. Like it's just, we're missing so much gold. We're missing so much opportunity for growth. And I think there's a healthy balance. Of course, I think there are times where we can get too obsessed and be like, Oh my gosh, what does this mean? And and that's not healthy either. So it's, it's a balance, but yeah, I just think it. there's so much opportunity to kind of experience life in a more nurturing way when we are open to kind of connecting the dots and, and seeing things differently. Yeah, I absolutely identify with the 
chasing every little feeling and little, <laughs> little twinge uh-huh. that you're feeling in your body and like, Oh, well, what's this? And, yeah. and that's actually been a huge part of my journey in the last year is just, you, you don't need to continue to do deep healing work all the time Yes, because yes. that can be an addiction in and of itself. And it's absolutely mm-hmm. one that, you know, I would say that I've struggled with a little bit and you know, I'm getting to the other side of it for sure. Um, but there's, yeah, I mean, it, it's just go live life, go have fun, go enjoy, go feel, go have your big feelings, have your big experiences, uh-huh. have the small experiences. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause I find, I found that, um, a lot of like the integration and a lot of like, I don't know, a lot of my growth has actually happened just from living life and just being in it, like, and, and not being too, I've tried the things where I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm disconnecting now and it's time to go within but too much of that, I actually just kind of get stuck in a perpetual loop. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm still not finding clarity. And for me personally, I've found that I find clarity by moving forward, by doing things, by just living. So it's just an interesting dance for sure. Yeah. And, and speaking of living, you're experiencing a lot of living right now because you're a new <laughs> yes. mom. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and first of all, congratulations. Thank you. So exciting. And Tell us what that process has been like. I mean, you're really, really going through it right now in a really big way and you're doing it so openly and so vulnerably. And I really just see you and honor you in that. And and I'm just curious, what, what has your experience been like? Yeah. Oh, it's been, oh my gosh, I will get emotional about it because it's, it has been a lot. Um, so my daughter is 11 weeks old, so it's been, it's been the craziest experience of my life. I would say the first few weeks and you know I'm still navigating this it's very much a um a grieving period because you do lose your old self or you lose your old life as you know it it is gone it is never coming back and that is very scary feeling it's like for me it's like oh my gosh our easy nights just watching tv and making a dinner you know how and taking our time and like that's gone going to bed whenever the heck I want and just getting eight hours of sleep right now that's gone. Like that's not here. And, and also just like the loss of identity, like, okay, who am I now? Like Alyssa before had had all this time and had all this creativity and passion. And now that girl is, you know, in the past in a way it's, I'm still here, but it's, it's just such, it is a grieving experience. And I think that it's important to acknowledge that for people. It's like, it's normal that it's going to feel sad. And I think that's with any transition in your life and transformation, you do, you do lose that old part of you and that old part of your life. And and it's okay to be sad about that. And I, I would say with each passing day, I'm getting more comfortable and kind of now learning who this new version of me is. And, and that's really cool. And also it's just, it's crazy. I've found how much we're really capable of. And I think that with each new transition in life, we just have so many more opportunities to strengthen our self-trust. That has been like a huge thing for me is like, okay, how can I trust myself to listen to my intuition? Because, you know, when you're doing something new, you feel awkward and you feel like a child and you feel like everyone knows better than me. And so it can be very tempting to just like go along with what everyone else says. And then you're kind of stuck doing things that don't feel good, but you're like, well, I don't know. Everyone knows better than me. And so it's very awkward and uncomfortable. And so it's very much a practice of how can I come back to trusting myself? How can I trust my intuition? How can I 
you know, show myself that I, I can handle this and also ask for support. So yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. I so much has come through in the past two, almost three months. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all that. That was incredibly honest and real. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just something that a lot of people don't talk about, especially just new parents. I mean, I know I've got plenty of friends that have had many, many children and it's easy to put pressure on yourself of like, oh, we've got this new baby and it's this exciting time and I'm so grateful, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And I just love the description that you offered of the grieving process of your old self because it is a massive change. Mm -hmm. It's a massive change. And I mean, I haven't gone through that yet. You're in the thick of it right now. And what I'm really feeling right now is just this duality of both can exist. Mm -hmm. The Mm -hmm. joy and the love and the excitement of bringing this amazing tiny human into the world and the grieving of your lost self, the grieving of freedom that you used to have, the relaxing evenings, the sleeping all the way through the night. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The duality is, is exactly how I would describe it for sure. And now it's kind of, I'm in this phase of like, okay, reintroducing working again, which I'm so passionate about. It just, and I'm finding that it breathes so much life into me and it brings so much nourishment to me. So like, as we speak today, like I slept four hours straight and then I was literally up every single hour after 2am. Like I've had like crappy night of sleep, but what nourishes me is having conversations like this and connecting with people and doing the work that I care about. And so it's interesting how like, like it is very real. Like that is hard. That's, that sucks. Like to be tired, it sucks, but also like, how can I bring in the things that do bring me energy and, and bring me joy and nourishment and bring that into my life as well. And so I'm kind of just like learning, like this is a season it's temporary. It's, it's going to be okay. It's, it's important to acknowledge that it's hard and also like how can you bring bits of joy and and presence into your life and that's been a huge thing actually is i am a lot more present than i used to be i'm a lot more intentional with my time i don't have an abundance of time right now so it's like i'm just i'm just more present i'm just more in it i'm just this is and that's been a blessing honestly yeah and and it's given me a new inspiration because I'm seeing the world in a completely different way and I'm seeing the world through my daughter's eyes literally everything is new to her like that's the coolest thing ever and it so it's breathing new life into me and uh before I had her I remember feeling like I know this song and dance I know you know every day I kind of understand you know what to expect and I'm very comfortable and this is awesome and I felt great and so with a new change it's like it's going to be on grounding, but like it breathes new life into you and it, it revs things up in a way that like we sometimes need, I know I needed it, but nothing can prepare you still for the discomfort of, of that. It's still like crap, you know, what's going on. Right. You're like, we've made a huge mistake, but (laughs) yeah, no, that's actually a a thing. Any parent who's says they don't feel, haven't felt that. I'm like, I don't really believe you. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. Um, You mentioned bringing joy into your life and, and actually stepping back into, you know, beginning to step back into working and creating and doing more things for HSPs. I'm curious, what was the moment that you realized, oh, I need to do this. And what was that process like? 
So whenever I, cause I have all this time where I'm like nursing Blaine and that's just like a lot of time where you're just sitting there, you're just sitting there. And I was like thinking like, Oh, Alyssa, this has to be this time where you're just integrating this. I don't know. I just was thinking like, Oh, you shouldn't be working, blah, blah, blah. But I kept having this pull to just like communicate how I was feeling and what I was experiencing. And so I started just opening up my notes app and just like writing things down and writing my feelings down. And my process has always been to share. I share my experiences because it's cathartic to me because it helps me feel connected to other humans. And it it dawned on me that that's literally how I started my blog in 2019 was like, I was um, having all these revelations about life and I just needed to share them. And I feel that same re-energy in my body again, where I'm like, this is fresh and new and I must share. And so to me, it just felt very natural. And I guess there is, I almost had this like weird pressure, like, oh, you're on maternity leave. You shouldn't even be posting anything. And it's like, says who? Like, I mean, if, you know, if I was feeling pressure in a way, like, oh, I need to show up on social media so people don't like forget about me, then that's different. But for me, it was like, I have this urge to share and like, that's just me. That's just how I do it. And, and in doing so, then I have had so many moms message me and just like, see me. And I, I realize I need to feel seen. I need to feel like I'm not alone in experiences. Cause if, if I keep things bottled in, I do feel alone and that doesn't work for me. I just, I need to be in community. I need to know others have been through this too. So yeah, it just kind of happened naturally. And um, also I think a big part of it, and I think I've shared with you is just like, Oh, how do I show up now that I'm a mom? Are people going to like find me unrelatable? And it's kind of like, you know, some might, and that's okay. That's totally fine. But I think there's always like, there's a common through line when you're going through life transitions or whatever, like it doesn't really matter what kind, like people are going to find bits and pieces that they can relate to. And, and for me to like, try to water myself down and not be honest, it's just, it's, it's just not me. It's not going to hit right. People are going to be like, you're just putting on a show. So yeah, I, I have to be in alignment. And for me, that means just sharing honestly. Yeah. So there's two things that really stood out there. Cause you, you mentioned when you're sitting there nursing Blaine, you felt this pressure to just do nothing and <laughs> be present and not work. And as you started describing your process of actually writing down some of your thoughts and feelings and starting to share, I was just sitting there and I was thinking, oh, well, Blaine is getting this beautiful nourishment from you mm-hmm. while you are nourishing yourself. Yes. Aww. And and how could that possibly be out of alignment? It's not yeah. like you're sitting there opening up some multi-tab spreadsheet, cranking out stuff <laughs> while you're on maternity leave from your like actual day job. Uh-huh. You're, exactly. you're actually sitting there nourishing yourself and doing yeah. what fills you up while she's yes. getting nourished. Yes. I love that. That's exactly what it is. It's ex- exactly what it is. And instead of questioning and being like, Oh, like this isn't what you're supposed to be doing. It's that trusting what feels good, good to you. Yeah, absolutely. And the second thing that really stood out was this, Oh, well, I'm feeling this pressure of, you know, I've got to show up in the same way that I always have. And I think we all feel a lot of that, especially when we're going through some transition in life, because people want you to stay the same version that serves them. Yeah. It's a selfish thing and it's not a bad thing. You know, they're not being 
jerks about well i guess some might be you've definitely <laughs> received a few dms uh-huh. on, on instagram uh about this new baby content like yep. what the heck oh, yeah how dare you share that <laughs> right <laughs> um but you know you go into a new phase and there is you know it's just like you said it's this shedding process and when we go through these transitions there is a there is a shedding that it's not just necessarily of self. It could be of friendships. It could be of relationships because we do, we evolve, you know, we do evolve and change and that can be, it it is beautiful and it's amazing. And it's also, it can be really difficult to let go of some of those things. And, you know, especially as somebody like yourself, who is, you know, certainly a public figure has a large following, has a big community, you know, there is, there is absolutely that pressure and, yeah, I think just for anyone listening, I, I just hope that they really, truly can kind of identify with you as this example of, mm-hmm. hey, just live your truth, live your truth, nourish yourself, do what lights you up. Because like you said, you've gotten all of these messages from all these new moms and, and other people whom you are actually serving with this new experience, with this new version of yourself, because there are always other people out there waiting as you go through the transition, because they need what you have on the other side of that transition. Absolutely. Yeah. And just, and just trusting that if, if you're feeling pulled to do something, like if you something's brings you joy and nourishment, then trust that, like, that's what I always have to come back to and and that's what always can guide us like when i started my blog and i was talking about all sorts of different things there would be times where i'm like oh my gosh are people gonna judge me are they gonna think i'm weird should i be more niche down like whatever and it was literally like anytime i just followed what felt good to me like people will come along for the ride and of course there's some that won't and that's completely fine but i think that yeah it's there for a reason right like it's like we feel this strongly for a reason and it's gonna it's going to hit with the people it's, it's meant to hit with. And, and that's beautiful. So that's been cool just to kind of feel into that again. It It's just like, it's just feels like a rebirth in ways. And, and it's, it's really exciting to kind of, I don't know. I just feel like there's a new layer of creativity and inspiration that's coming through. And I'm, I'm glad I'm starting to just trust that and go with it. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much. So, so I've got two final questions as we're wrapping up here. Mm -hmm. One, I just got this ping to, to ask, and and you've been kind of doing this already, but just what's on your heart right now? What's the biggest thing that's on your heart? That's just making you explode at the moment. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It community is really, I'm just like obsessed right now with just like how important it is for us to lean on other people and, and let ourselves be supported and, and support others. I like, it's crazy how, when I first discovered I was a highly sensitive person and how much I wanted to just relate to others and not feel alone. And one of the, my, my like core wounds in life is like this feeling of like a lone wolf, like no one gets me. And so I created a community for HSPs and I've had over the years, people join and tell me, oh my gosh, I feel so seen. I feel so seen. And, and that makes me so happy. And I've also almost felt kind of disconnected from that experience because I've felt comfortable with being highly sensitive now for years. So I'd, you know, that feeling of like, oh my gosh, is not as fresh, but now for me stepping into motherhood and just 
seeking that community again, I am re like, I can now again, relate to those HSPs, just finding out and being like, Oh, thank God. And so I'm just like, really seeing like, wow, community is nourishment. Like we need that. We need to know we're not alone. And so that's been everything that's been just so huge. And I'm, I'm want to like create more different kinds of community for highly sensitive people in different phases of life, because it's just like, we need it. Yeah, I could absolutely see you having 10 different subgroups, you know, highly sensitive men, highly sensitive mothers, highly sensitive, mm -hmm. you know, expectant mothers, whatever it might be. <laughs> yeah, totally. So this podcast is called Seeing Human, and I'm curious to you, what is seeing human? It's just, to me, it's just seeing somebody like their heart and their soul and just like, I just think of when I really see a person, I can see their the gentleness of them, their, their inner child, like really seeing them as somebody who's trying their best, who has their insecurities and their days where they, you know, they're having a bad day. And just, I don't know, it's just like looking at people with compassion instead of like with this agenda or with just making assumptions about them. I just feel like I really soften towards people when I recognize like we're all doing our best. We're all, we all have things that hurt us. We all, have our wounds and, and we all just want to be loved. And so I think to me, and when I really see someone, it's really with that rawness and just understanding, like we all came into the world as this pure being, and we all just want to be loved. And it's just a beautiful thing when we can try to peel back the layer and, and see others in that way. It's just like, it just makes you soften towards people, you know? So that's what comes to mind. Thank you. I love that beautiful description. Well, Alyssa, thank you so much. This was such an amazing conversation. And thank you so much for just all of the incredible wisdom you shared and really just showing up as your full, incredible self. Like I love talking to you every time we talk and it's so fun. And I'm sure everybody just gonna get so much out of this conversation. Oh, awesome. Thank you, Patrick. The, the feeling is mutual. It's always a good time. So thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining me. If you like this podcast, please be sure to rate, subscribe, and share it with a friend who might need it. And I can't wait to chat with you next time. Sending you all the love. Talk soon.